This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why are you going to sit back and, and not pursue something? Because we just don't know. That's like what COVID has shown us. My life was the best it's ever been in 2019, and it literally got taken away overnight. I did not get to do what I love for two years. So it can be taken away from you through no fault of your own at any time. So you might as well be doing something you like. Changing careers can be a daunting thought to entertain at the best of times, and it can be particularly scary in your 30s. It's been highlighted a lot on this podcast, the pressure and expectation to have everything sorted before turning 30, and especially if you've worked so hard to get to a certain point in your professional life. For me, it took six years of hustle, grind, unpaid work, and even juggling multiple casual jobs to actually land a full-time gig as a music presenter. It wasn't easy. And I also think of others who may have spent years, you know, completing their university degrees and accumulating a hex debt. It's understandable to be petrified and hesitant to try something new when you've invested so much into what you currently have. That's the thing about our 20s. We spend so much of it working our way up and slogging it out for that extra bit of responsibility or money or title, status. But by the time 30 rolls around, a lot of us have changed. We've met new people. We've been exposed to new experiences and circumstances. And consequently, our goals and aspirations can shift in a completely different direction. But actually acting upon that can be really scary. Change is scary. But as you're about to hear, change can be really special. In this episode of Figuring Out 30, you're going to meet my friend Michelle Grace Hunter, who started her 30s with a significant business failure under her belt, but came out of this decade as one of Australia's most acclaimed music photographers. You're going to hear how Michelle turned it all around and why it is never too late to have a crack and start doing what you love. Michelle, welcome to my podcast. I also call you Mama. If anyone hears me say Mama during this chat, I call you and so sell mutual friend my mamas. <laughs> Hi. I get called Mama a lot these days, which are uh, photo mom. I get photo mom a lot. So <laughs> it's because you are wise and you have wisdom and you have to share wisdom. We're going to dive into your professional journey, your career, because you are such an um, established, respected photographer, but it hasn't always been the case. Like when I met you in 2014, I, I met you as a photographer and it was kind of only until recently that I learned about your, your, I guess, your lead up into that position. How about we start with you maybe just, do you want to throw off and say like the job titles you have had prior to being a photographer? 
Sure. Okay. So the job titles I've had prior were um, I was the marketing coordinator at the National Basketball League. I was marketing assistant, I think, and then event coordinator and then event manager at Melbourne Football Club. Um, I went on to do some more event coordination um, with a company called Limelight. I worked um, as a driver for Dakota Fanning on the film Charlotte's Web. What <laughs> I, worked <the> in, <laughs> I worked in film production for a while doing um, both transport, um, transport coordination and art department coordination. Uh, and then just prior to picking up a camera, I was a director um, of Australia's first independent dance music company called Mod Dance Company. So, yeah, a little bit of stuff before I decided to, like, jump in. She's won some hats. <laughs> what? Oh, I mean, I guess that's, like, it's been so beneficial, I think, for me as a business person to have all of that experience um, prior because so much about photography um, is the business side of it. And like, that's what a lot of people miss. They are great photographers, but they're not so great at the business stuff. And I think I've always had that as an advantage that I knew my way around, um, yeah, like a, a professional business person. So it's always been a bonus for me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I want to um, dive into where you were at, I guess, career-wise or life-wise approaching 30, so around the age of 29. But before we do that, can we just quickly get um, clarification? Because I, I bet people listening will be like, sorry, what Dakota Fanning? Just go back to driving her around. How old were you when you, you were doing that? And like, can you just... Uh, maybe 20... Seven-ish, I think. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> oh, it was such a weird story. So my husband, my husband had just got back from overseas. He'd been overseas for a while and he met this new group of people and I was really wanting to leave Melbourne Football Club. I wasn't enjoying my role at that time. And one of the people that he met was friends with someone that was working in film and he was telling me that he his job was to coordinate all of the transport. So he oversee. Um, all of the drivers, the trucks and all that sort of stuff. And it, it included a group of drivers that would take actors to and from set. And I was like, I could do that. Like, you should give me a job. Like, I was just joking. And then, like, I think two weeks later he gave me a call and he's like, I've got a job for you. I think you'd be perfect for this. Um, Dakota Fanning and her family are coming to Australia. We want someone really responsible to look after her while she's here and um, drive her to and from set. Um, and I was like, absolutely, that sounds amazing. So I got to do that for, I think, three or four months, became really close with their family. Was she um, nice? She is, yeah, she was just uh, amazing. She was 12 at the time. So, and her sister Elle was there as well. I think Elle was like seven. So they were like, Babies. you know, I got to hang out with them um, for a few months and get to know them and their family and their teacher. They had a, um, a teacher that they would travel with at that time. So yeah, very surreal experience looking back on it now. So, <laughs> Dude, honestly, like what a wild thing to just casually slide in on your CV as well. <laughs> like everyone would stop you and ask, you know, for a bit more about that. <laughs> like it, it's, honestly, it's like another life. It's kind of like, I mean, it's so much has happened since I've picked up a camera that it's my life is so full in the last kind of 10 to 12 years that that, that I don't know, it feels like a past life that it's really weird. But yeah. 
I think that's a, I mean, that's something that I definitely relate to. We'll be talking about, you know, career change um, and starting a whole new career, you know, in your thirties. But when I think of, you know, people know us primarily for, you know, your photography work, me as a presenter, but I was a travel agent before I was a presenter. I worked in retail for a really long time, but a lot of people, yeah, don't have that insight because it's these main jobs, but let's kind of, um, yeah. All right. Let's hit 29. So, okay. You're 27 when you're driving Dakota around. Um, we'll fast forward to 29 approaching 30. What was going on for you? Yeah. So that was when I was working with the dance company. So I was approached by some, a mutual friend through another life. Actually, when I was modeling, I didn't even mention that, but that um, was something I was doing kind of on the side. And she said, hey, you know, I know that you're really into event coordination and management. Um, I've got this idea to do this production company called Mod Dance Company. We've got this really amazing choreographer on board. His name is Graham Murphy. He's choreographed some of the most amazing uh, dances that we've ever seen, essentially, in Australia. He's hugely successful uh, in the contemporary dance world. And, you know, I Googled him and I was like, oh, my God, Graham Murphy, like, he's so prolific and he wanted to bring um, a couple of dance productions from his past. He wanted to merge them and, and give them new light. So we were going to form this dance company. We're going to kind of poach all of these dancers from Sydney Dance and from all over Australia to be in this company and we're going to tour it. And um, that happened <laughs> uh, and I was responsible for everything that was on stage. So getting all of the dances coordinated and making sure that that all happened and the stage production, which was actually like huge, such a huge job. Uh, and then kind of midway through our Sydney season, we got a phone call from our accountant to say, uh, you're $800,000 in debt and we have to cancel the production immediately. Wow. Um, so overnight my life completely changed. It was like the, it was like the wool was like pulled over my eyes and I didn't know like we had nothing to do with the finances. Like we would just be like, oh, I've got to pay this bill, got to pay this bill. It wasn't really literally until like maybe a week before we kind of started sensing something was wrong. And then on this day when we got the phone call to say we have to stop the production, it was just like the most devastating thing of my life, I think. And then to tell these dancers who'd been working so hard for so many months that the production was going to be stopped. It was just so horrifically awful. Uh, and definitely the lowest point of my life has been like, like I think too because I've been always been an overachiever and I never had any like failures really in my life. It was like this big faceplant into a brick wall mm -hmm. and just not really knowing what to do with my life. So that really happened as I turned 30. Wow. Huge. Yeah. Did you feel any, um, I mean, obviously your friends, family, your partner would have been so supportive around that time, but did you still kind of feel, I guess, in the context of like turning 30 uh, and, and, and having your career figured out, did, did you feel that pressure and like what thoughts and feelings were happening in, yeah, in the context of turning 30 there? Uh, it was a little bit worse than that because we'd actually, um, as in my partner, my husband and I, this was just before, yeah, just before we were married, I think, or just after. I can't remember. Anyway, um, I think just before. So we had financially put in a lot of money to this company as well, as had um, a couple of the other directors. So that just huge burden of like not only had the company failed, but I'd lost all of this money 
and there's this monumental thing of turning 30 and you think by that time you should have got your shit together and you know like if this had have come off this would have been amazing like the production was hugely successful um we had rave reviews it was just um it's a long story of what happened with the accountant and 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 her kind of mess there but you know just mishandling of a situation and my whole life was imploding and it was like uh just so much of it at that time where you're supposed to have your shit together and I'm like at my lowest point, it was mm. literally like I had to start all over again. And I just, for a couple of weeks, I couldn't even fathom doing that. It was so overwhelming. Like I cannot believe I'm literally at the bottom again after working for so long, you know? All right. So we'll fast forward to around the age of 31 because yeah, 30, I'm assuming it's that, you know, that period you were literally just processing what the fuck has just happened and how I'm going to, you know, move on from that. 31, you kind of fell into photography in the sense that Jav got you a camera. So this was not what you were looking towards. Like you weren't like, I'm going to become a photographer next. It kind of just happened, right? Yeah, it was def- there was definitely a little bit of a, a crossover between what had happened with that company and photography sort of, and I can't remember the timeline now because it is going back a little bit. But, yeah, so Jarvis bought me a camera for Christmas and it was in the midst of just not knowing what to do with my life and how am I going to recover from this? And I- I'd started, like, doing little, little photo shoots because um, I kind of mentioned before that I'd, done a little bit of freelance modeling. So I knew the process of how to set up shoots and how to find a model and how to find a makeup artist and all that sort of stuff because I'd done it um, kind of from the other side. So I started doing that as a photographer, just finding models just on Facebook in different groups and doing little shoots and really loving it. And and, um, I was getting a lot of really great feedback from photographers that I knew and people just were just saying, hey, like you're really good at this, like for someone that's just started, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was just the, I don't know, I, the validation, I guess, that I needed to kind of go, okay, I'm good at this. And I just threw myself into it. And around that time I was like starting to temp again and I was having these horrific like admin experiences of like literally being at the bottom of the pile again and just like, I don't know if I can do this. And Jarvis just said to me, like, why don't you give this photography thing a crack? Like, you know, it seems like there's something here. So I guess with, um, you know, his support, I just threw myself, like literally was like threw myself into it. And I guess I had that mentality of this has to work. Like I don't have a fallback here. So I just made it my life. And around the same time, um, I just got in contact with a, a childhood friend who happened to be making music and was coming up in the, the scene as well, um, Briggs, who's from Shepparton as well. And so I started following him around with the camera and, you know, Jarvis and I made some video clips for him and we were just, you know, kind of part of his kind of come up. And I remember he supported the Hilltop Woods at Festival Hall and I shot that show for him and I just remember like getting the bug of live music photography at that show and just like, oh, my God, I, I want to do this. Like, this so that was amazing. the moment for you? Yeah. I mean, I done, I shot some other little shows and stuff for, for local hip-hop acts and stuff, and um, but I think it was that show where I was like, all right, this is, this is amazing. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was going, I just basically like made myself part of the hip-hop community originally in those couple of years and, 
obviously my project Rise came out of that and I just became obsessed with documenting hip-hop in Australia and shining a light on this scene that I felt like wasn't really getting... I felt like there was a lot of artists that weren't getting the recognition that they deserved because I was seeing these artists and I was like, how does nobody know who they, they are? Like everyone knows the Hilltop Hoods, everyone knows Bliss and Esso and Illy and stuff, but there was all these other artists. I was like, these guys are amazing. Like this is phenomenal. So I just became super passionate about like documenting hip hop in Australia and kind of shining a big light on what was happening. That's so amazing to find a, yeah, like a real specific passion within what you were doing. And, you know, I was reading a few interviews and hearing about how you, you know, the timeline in which you picked up the camera and pretty much went professional in the sense that people were like booking you like that was a really quick turnaround of six months but obviously due to you kind of credit to you going all in and just ha- being like I have no other option was it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it hard though you know at that age of 31 and I kind of relate in you know my mid to late 20s where um and I don't know if it's a regional thing like when I go home love my friends but it was really hard for me to kind of connect in a way where they've all just come out of uni, mid-20s, going into those careers. And for me, music presenting, I was doing community radio, community TV, mm. writing for the AU Review, unpaid stuff while working at like a call centre. So like really doing that grind. Did you kind of struggle or, um, yeah, how did it feel for you, I guess, you know, in, in those, you know, first few stages of grinding and hustling and looking around at your wider circle, I guess outside of the creative field because we're very much within... Yeah we're in this on the same wavelength in that circle but did you have any other friends that you looked at and felt like oh fuck you know I I guess you had to make it work but yeah were there any particular feelings there yeah I mean it was it was a weird one because for me like I you know I've I've got great friends from uni and um and not so much from high school there's definitely a couple of people I still connected with from high school but you know great friends from university but it Honestly, like when I started shooting in the music community, like I found my people, like I felt like I finally had permission to be myself. Like I never really fit in with anybody. And so I wasn't looking around to see what other people were doing with careers or where they were really in life because it didn't. And a lot, a lot of my friends were like starting to have children and stuff as well, which just Mm. didn't connect with me at all. So it was just like when I found the music community, I was like, oh, my God, and anyone that's not know, knew me from that time, from when, like, pre-photography to when I picked up a camera, like, I really felt like I could express myself. It's like when I shaved off half my hair and, like, I had these crazy hairstyles. But, yeah, it was <laughs> like, I just felt like finally I could just be me. I started getting tattoos and all this stuff that I had wanted to, but I always felt like I was boxed in and trying to be way more conservative because I had to fit into like these corporate jobs and you know it was just such a different vibe and then you know all of a sudden I felt this freedom and I met all these really cool people I was like oh I can be like this I can do all I can express myself exactly how I want I can wear whatever I want um so I wasn't really looking around and going oh I wish I was there it was more like I felt like I'd found my purpose and it didn't actually matter to me, like I'm not financially driven, um, you know, like I've earned a lot of money in the past with different jobs and stuff, but that's not what motivates me. I used to get really bored in those jobs, but like now it, I found this thing that felt like my purpose. I'm never bored. And it just. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The hustle was about just wanting everyone to know who I was and to be able to create really great relationships and networks and um, be known as a music photographer. So, so yeah, I felt like, you know, it didn't matter um, that that, you know, financially that stuff would come later on. And my husband also, you know, he, he was doing really, he's already really established with what he was doing. So to have that pressure off, like, you know, we weren't going to lose our house or anything like that. And, you know, to be honest, it clicked really quickly. Like, you know, I, I definitely wasn't making huge amounts of money in the first couple of years, but I was definitely earning a income that, you know, um, you know, was enough to pay the bills and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was really fortunate in that a lot of people, friends and stuff were hiring me for stuff. I was shooting a lot of friends' weddings. I was just, I was doing everything at the start. Like what, if you needed someone with a camera, like I was there. Yeah. What a liberating feeling for you though, to finally feel that you could really, you know, be yourself and embrace everything that you wanted to be as a person. And to feel that at such a transformative age, you know, like it, it sounds like you were making up for lost time in a way. Yeah, I think also like a lot of people always comment about me having young energy as well. And I think it's because I'm in this amazing industry. I have a lot of friends that are a lot younger than me, but they kind of, I don't know, they give me energy. I feel like it's just like, I love connecting with people that are um, varying ages and, you know, and I do fall into that kind of nurturing, even though I'm not a mother myself and my husband and I decided not to have children. It's really weird because I feel like I am kind of this cool auntie or like, you you know, sometimes... (laughs) mother like nurturing role in a lot of my situations with work even you know the stuff that I do with rule and touring with him for so long I definitely fell into that kind of more nurturing role as well just naturally so it's it's just strange for someone that I don't you know I never really felt I wanted to be a mother of my own children I feel like I have all of these all of these people that I you know fall into this this nurturing role or like love giving advice to or just being there if anybody needs anything or yeah I really like that so it's 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 been a nice little journey (laughs) yeah for sure I want to kind of um, hone in on I guess yeah working in the music industry and you know given the things that you covered in in her sound her story especially the documentary um, touching on age and ageism um, especially for women you know um, and we look at Tina Arena, her Aria's um, Hall of Fame speech. Um, I've listened to Jack River and Keita Alexander have this conversation in one of um, Holly's podcasts. I've spoken to Ash London about this too. Did you ever have any weird interactions with other professionals who did make your age a thing? Like, have you ever been um, at the hands of some weird interactions regarding your age as a woman in the music industry? I've been so lucky, I think, that I haven't got that at all. I, I know a lot of people have assumed that I am a lot younger than I am, if that makes sense. Like they'll just, they've often thought I'm in my late 20s or early 30s for a long time now. So I'm just going to roll with that. Um, I know whenever I post it's my birthday, you know, uh, I just turned 43 recently and like even people are 
people have known me for a while were like genuinely shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, um, and again, I think that's a testament to keeping just really young people around me and stuff as well. So I've been so lucky. I've never had anyone bring it up. I, you know, I didn't start touring until I was like 36 or 37. It was never an issue. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I definitely am not discounting the fact, like, you know, making the documentary and hearing so many stories. I think particularly for women that are making music where image is so important, it's such a big factor. Um, but I've also been, you know, approached by a lot of other photographers who just said to me, I didn't think I could do, I didn't think anyone would take me on the road in my 30s. And I'm like, well, I know I can only use myself as an example. And, you know, people were fine to have me around. I think. Why do they were hesitant? I think it's like society telling them that's not what you should be doing as a woman in your 30s. Like, why would you be gallivanting all over the world when you should be at home and you should be having children and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't. I've never fallen into the stereotypes of what a woman should be, which is what I, this is something that I'm really passionate about actually. Like I've always pushed what gender norms are um, as a woman. And I'm really like, I'm also really proud to be a woman and showing that as well. Like I don't have to be a girly girl and do stuff. I'm just me. I'm just, you know, I, I dress like a tomboy. I <laughs> dress like a 13 year old boy is the joke, you know, for my entire <laughs> life. And but I love that. I love that we, you know, we can be women and we can do all of these things. It's totally fine and not have children. That's okay. You know, touring the world in your 40s. That's okay. Like, I, that's I love fucking that. sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I love being a role model for other people to see that is possible as a woman. So I would never shy away from and it's also I guess, not showing some- that. Yeah, and it's also not something you have to um, have done by a certain age. There's no uh, expiry in which you can have those experiences. Expiry comes from people's own, yeah, own determination, I guess. It's like if they've decided that they're too old or they, their body isn't up to it or whatever, like I, I want to be touring until I literally am in a walking frame if possible. Like, <laughs> I, I love can't it walk. so much. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. Like even just being in Singapore this last couple of days with Joel, like I as stressful as the process was, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm home. Like as soon as I'm on the road again, I'm doing crazy stuff. And like, it, it's, it just feels really natural to me. I don't know. It's your um, element. What that's, it's, yeah. I mean, my, yeah, definitely in my element. So, um, and like I said, I like to be a person that some other people can look to and go, it's possible. Like we can still do this. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely, um, trying to change the perceptions of what is right and what you should have done by a certain age as a woman, you know? Totally. How would you compare the professional growth that you experienced in your 30s in comparison to your 20s? Ah, uh, no. It's a, like in my 20s, I feel like I was lazy. I was <laughs> often bored in my role. I would do the bare minimum. And like people that know me now would probably be quite shocked by that because in terms of what what I am like now with my own business and my own brand, that's the complete opposite because I'm so passionate about what I do. But a lot of the jobs I was just, yeah, I was probably a pretty shit employee. I was just like skating through doing the bare minimum, like not that invested often. And then when I found photography and what I feel like is my purpose and it became about 
like I'm only responsible for me. Um, that's one thing I, I, I guess I got out of that business failure when there's someone else that's responsible for a catastrophic business failure where something that they have done wrong has meant that the whole business collapses. I didn't want to be in that position ever again. I only want to be to be responsible for myself and I can push as far as I want to push. Or if I have a lazy day and no one books me or whatever, that's on me. On you. Um, so now it's like, Oh, especially in the first few years, it was just this relentless drive to keep pushing and, yeah, just become known and established and respected. And I wanted people to like me as a person, but also like what I do, with, you know, my art as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's like totally different. Like that career development now is just like it's all... I'm constantly pushing, not only from a business perspective to do like to hit different milestones. So like, you know, a certain cover of a magazine or work with a certain artist, but like also technically I'm always pushing myself to do new things so I don't get bored um, because you can, you can get really fall into the trap of doing the same stuff all the time or clients can request the same type of stuff all the time. And I just don't want to ever get boxed in. I just want to be doing new stuff. Um, so really pushing every every year or two, I'm like, I want to pick up a totally new skill. So, yeah. I think a cool example that's come to mind for me when you mentioned that is the recent Maybelline ad that you did, you know, like that was such a cool, different, like you had music for, um, you, you had Tash and, and Thelma and whatnot with those shots, but it was like a, a makeup campaign. Like that's so cool. Totally. That was like, I mean, that's the first kind of really big commercial job that I've done um, and shout out to CEA partnerships because they brought me on board for that particular campaign um, which is amazing I've done a couple of things with them now where it, and it kind of works really well for me because I've worked with these people musicians for so long but I've never really crossed over into big brand stuff because they don't know who I am like the music industry know who who's who I am but like Maybelline doesn't know who I am. So um, CEA, yeah, well, CEA was kind of the link to say, hey, we've got this great photographer. She works with musicians and artists all the time. She knows most of these people. Let's get her on board for this campaign. Like it just worked really well. So it was such a, an, a pleasure to be able to shoot something on a scale like that with, you know, artists that I love and respect. And we had such a great time shooting that campaign and it turned out so great. And now it's like everywhere. It's yeah. like seeing it, you know, everywhere. And people are sending me photos of like the paste ups everywhere and it's in coals and all that kind of stuff, which is, it's really cool. So sick. What would your advice be, Michelle, for anyone, I guess, who's listening and, you know, maybe they're approaching their 30s or they've just hit 30 and they're just thinking, fuck, I'm feeling really stuck with, you know, my job. I don't know where I want to be professionally, but I'm scared to make any moves because I feel like it's too late, you know, or it's too much yeah. of a risk. Like what, what kind of advice would you give to someone? Well, firstly, I just don't think it's ever too late. And I think if there's something, if there's some type of burning passion in you to try something, you know, I'm such a big supporter of people doing this. Um, it, the, the freedom and, I guess, liberation you can have when you build up a business from scratch and it can be successful and you can then just have the day-to-day work-life balance that you choose uh, and that, you know, that comes after a few years, obviously, but, you know, once you're really established, but that's a possibility. Do you know what I mean? It's like you don't have to be somewhere nine o'clock on a Monday. Like you can choose your own 
calendar schedule about when you're going to do whatever you're going to do. If it, for me, it's like I don't, I try not to book shoots on Mondays, for example. Like I like to have an extended weekend, but I can do admin on that day or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just I don't think it's it's ever too late. We especially I think COVID has shown us that most people in kind of jobs are disposable and companies don't really give a shit about you. And (laughs) if they're not going to, especially now, like if people are going back to work and they're not being given flexible hours and stuff and not giving the opportunities to really have a great work-life balance, I think people should be questioning that now. I think COVID really showed us what was possible um, in terms of people working from home and, and, and that sort of thing. So, and also what's um, important, what's important exactly. And yeah, I guess that was the thing too, is like sitting back and realizing what you really miss and what you really want. And like, you know, as much as I loved having some time home with my husband, which doesn't happen that often. And I we really did have an amazing two years and, and it was really awesome. But also we're both the same. Like we both missed traveling and, and doing the stuff that we love so much. So yeah, you get to reflect on that. So life is so short and, you know, God, what happens if there's like world war and, you know, it, there's a nuclear bloody war and they detonate us next week and you haven't done all the things you want to Right. Like I think about that stuff now. Like just why are you going to sit back and, and not pursue something? Because we just don't know. That's like what COVID has shown us. My life was the best it's ever been in 2019 and it literally got taken over, away overnight and I, had, I did not get to do what I love for two years. So it can be taken away from you through no fault of your own at any time. So you might as well be doing something you like. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> you might as well be doing yeah. fun stuff and pursuing stuff and doing stuff for yourself and building your own legacy. So, yeah. I want to finish, I guess, uh, with a bit more reflection, maybe expanding a little bit beyond career talk because you've experienced your 30s in full. How was it? Is it was it as scary, as daunting as what it's made oh. out to be or the pressures that women face? Like from the other side, what can you tell us? <laughs> 30s are the best. Oh, my God. It's, whenever I see people that are like going to turn 30 in there, they're really sad about it. I'm like, girl, you don't know what you're about to enter. It's like you you shed all of that insecurity that you had in your 20s. You really come, you know, into your own as a woman, like just feeling like confidence and, you know, way happier with your body and your looks and all that bullshit that you kind of leave behind where you're just like, what? Why did I think I was fat? I was looking at photos and I'm like, I was tiny. I've always been tiny. Why was I thinking that? It's a stupid shit that you think. Um, I think that's so liberating, caring less what people think and stepping, just stepping into your own power and your own, your own confidence, I think, happens in your 30s. And I'm experiencing it even more now in my 40s as well. Like I honestly just feel like it's just getting better. I'm like, when does, when does the, the downside come? I'm like, I'm waiting when for it. When does the end? <laughs> It's still up. I'm still having such a great time and, you know, just great relationship and great friends and great career, like lots of amazing things are happening and it's definitely not over. That's what I would say. We'd love to see it. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Michelle, thank you so much for um, jumping on and sharing your wisdom and it was, you know, very helpful, insightful, but also just really fucking reassuring. Good. That's what I hope because it's like it's 
going to be okay. <laughs> we got this. No, we've got this, girls. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So there you go. I hope that chat with Michelle has served as a loving little reminder that it's never too late to shift gears, to switch lanes and make change to your career. And look, if it's something that you've been thinking about, you're not alone. I read a survey from the University of Phoenix that revealed that nearly three quarters of professionals in their 30s are interested in changing careers. So don't be afraid to start those conversations. And even with your friends, they might be in the exact same boat as you. Of course, preparation is key. It could be worth thinking about what you really want, what skills could be transferable, and making sure you utilize networks and just seize opportunities. You don't know until you try. Coming up next on Figuring Out 30, we are going to tackle another topic that may seem pretty daunting. In fact, I would call it intimidating. Yep, it's time to figure out our finances. And to help us make sense of it all is financial expert, author, and all-round business whiz, Melissa Brown. This stuff in your 30s is so important to face so that you're not a statistic and so that you can have choice. I work with too many women in their 40s and 50s who are then having to undo all of those things that they kind of didn't think that they needed to worry about in their 30s or they parked it going, ugh, I just can't deal with it. From bank accounts to home ownership and even crypto, this is an episode you'll definitely want to take some notes on. And hopefully it makes you feel a little less anxious and a bit more hopeful about the financial side of figuring out 30. is an independent podcast produced and presented by me, Bridget Hustway. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustway, and you can also drop me a line about the podcast anytime at figuringout30 at gmail.com. Don't forget you can hit subscribe if you want to stay across the latest episodes. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you could leave me a little review or rating. Thank you so much for your support. I'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.